Hello, Pearl. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Stephen. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, it's it's very interesting. I mean, you, I kind of just woke up and you're getting ready to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, for anybody listening, uh, we had tried to find a, mutu a, <laughs> a mutually beneficial time uh, because we are 12 hours apart, I think. We are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so originally we were scheduled to try to meet up at 11, which 11 a.m. for me is 11 p.m. for you. And <laughs> so, <Exactly. laughs> yeah, that was... That was a little bit late for you, so we tried to bump it up a little bit and uh, make it a little bit easier on yes. on, on you. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on and talk to me so late in your day. Uh, I'm sure that <laughs> it's been a long day already. It's a pleasure to be on, Stephen. And actually, thank you for accommodating to to my schedule as well for trying to push it up so it's not too late into into my day. <laughs> yes, of course, I'm happy to do so. <laughs> So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into the composition field? Oh, well, um, for becoming the composer that I am today, today, it wasn't very straightforward or smooth, in fact. Uh, but it started when I was pretty young. Um, uh, but actually, should I maybe describe where I came from and all that stuff too, or would you? Yeah, of course, if you would like okay. to disclose any of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, actually, many people ask me this, this question of, of where I'm from, because um, they see my, my biography say I'm from the UK, but as you can see, I'm, I'm Chinese. Um, so I yeah. originated from Hong Kong. Uh, that's where my family was. Um, although we moved to Singapore, uh, for my dad's work um, uh, during that time before actually uh, deciding to move to England uh, to settle down. And uh, I was predominantly raised over there and spent most of my education there as well. Uh, but it was during the last few years that I came back to Singapore uh, to do various things such as uh, music and work as well. Um, so in terms of how I got to become a composer, um, as I said, I was quite young, uh, around six years old, and I suddenly developed this interest to learn the violin. And you have to know, my family and my relatives are no way musical <laughs> or musically inclined. <laughs> um, so I think they were pretty surprised that I had requested to learn an instrument by myself. Um, so uh, nevertheless, you know, they were very supportive of me and they allowed me to, to uh, try the violin out and subsequently the piano as well. And I think from having instrumental lessons afterwards, um, it kind of gave me the, the techniques um, to start fiddling about, uh, especially on the piano. And, you know, whenever I heard like a piece of music from films and dramas and or songs that I liked, um, especially when, you know, it really evoked me, like the emotions that it got to me, um, I just got really inspired to just write little melodies um, mm. and it kind of developed from there. Um, my high school teachers were very encouraging when they discovered this uh, hobby of mine. <laughs> um, and so they, um, they asked me to write pieces for string orchestra and ensembles. And um, it really gave me this confidence to think and consider that, yeah, you know, I 
you can maybe become a composer. I mean, I didn't know what that entailed. Like, what kind of jobs does a composer actually do, and what right. what kind of paths or, or, or what kind of subjects do I do I have to take from here? But it seemed like a possible goal that I could reach. Um, but unfortunately, actually, when I reached university, um, things went a little downhill because um, the subjects that were offered there were um, modules like contemporary music, um, new music, and uh, even early music. And I mean, they were really, really uh, interesting subjects as well, but just not what I wanted to study. I think I, I just really enjoyed writing music that, that sort of had a lot of emotion to it and um, that really could uh, musically express uh, narration. Um, so um, I just felt a little limited during university of what I could write. And the only genre that sort of was relevant to what I felt I was comfortable writing in was musical theater, uh, which is something I really like and enjoy as well. Um, but, you know, I still had this, this goal. I thought maybe I could still continue to be the composer. And I picked up on doing a master's degree. And it's not the film masters that I, I mentioned in my biography, but uh, it's it's the masters that I don't talk very often about. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's because I actually didn't complete this masters. Um, I studied it for a few months only and realized it really wasn't my thing. Um, it was very philosophical in their education, uh, talking a lot of abstract art. And for me, I just want to learn more about the relationship between music and emotion and storytelling. Um, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know that would be related to film music, in fact. And I didn't even know there was such an industry out there um, that didn't come, uh, come across to my mind. Um, so after quitting that master's, I just decided not to do music anymore. Uh, I quit uh, writing music. Um, I got a waitressing job at a hotel restaurant and thought, you know, that's my life now. Um, but then uh, my mom suggested perhaps I could try going back to Singapore uh, to see whether there was something that I would enjoy doing. Um, so I took up that chance and I'm thankful that I did because uh, once I got to Singapore, I actually uh, got a part-time uh, violin teaching job uh, whilst mm. I also studied a part-time film production course. Uh, okay. Because I was very curious uh, about that industry. I didn't know that I could do music um, in the industry, but if I could do something related to it, I thought that would still be quite fun. And interestingly, one of the lecturers there, who's quite a well-known uh, producer in Singapore, he uh, introduced me to a few people who um, I ended up uh, scoring some projects to. Um, as well as a composer friend who also taught me how to use uh, a doll software uh, and library samples. And that just completely mm. widened my eyes. I just thought, wow, you know, there's such technology to do this now. Um, yeah. And it was a really life-changing moment there. And I thought, you know what? Yes, I want to do film music. I want to score. So I uh, found uh, another master's course, uh, a Pacific Northwest Film Scoring Program, which is in Seattle, and taught by my mentor, Hami Man. And uh, it was uh, an incredible experience uh, learning that course. And so now I, I am working as a composer for film animation and games. And I, although, yeah, as I said, it wasn't quite a straightforward journey, I'm, 
I'm pleased that I got to where I am now. So yes. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's a that's a very turbulent uh, journey to getting where you are now. I I completely understand. I went. I started off my career in music education i thought that music education was the only way to go uh and as i was going through college i was realizing i don't want to teach i (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a teacher uh so i went through so many things i i thought i wanted to be a conductor i thought i wanted Mm. to uh change my degree to be in performance eventually i did change my degree to be in trumpet performance but at that time, when I got there, I realized, mm. okay, I'm changing to trumpet performance because it's going to be an easier transition to be a music historian from ah, education. And mm. it was it was a lot of uh, degree technicalities within mm-hmm. our university system, at least at at my university when I went there. Uh, it was it was I was going to graduate on time if I switched mm-hmm. my major. Um, if I didn't switch my major, I was going to stay there an extra year and a half just because, oh. and I, that would have meant I was going to be in university for five and a half years. And I was already, I was already like, I have plans to go to, yeah. yeah, I have plans to go to, <laughs> to get a master's degree. I don't want to be in school for seven and a half years. Plus I'm still deciding mm-hmm. whether or not I want a PhD, but the more I think about it, the, the less I, uh, the less I want that. <laughs> um, I feel I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I totally understand your the turbulence that is getting to where you are now. Um, mm. And even, even this podcast, when I graduated from my master's degree, the only thing that I thought was, I guess I'm going to have to return to the classroom if I want to be a music historian. Oh, yeah. um, and then... Uh, then this pandemic hit and I was like, there's something else. There's something else that I can do. Uh, and that's how this was born. And I'm so glad that it is because I'm doing something that feels much more fulfilling than the classroom. And, that's uh, amazing. I, I'm, I'm yes. happy for you too, Stephen. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, what is being a media composer like as opposed to being something for more of a concert stage? Mm, um, well, for me personally, um, I feel like for a media composer, you definitely have uh, a lot of framework to work with, especially with visuals. And you want the music to match according to the visuals, or at least help to uh, uh, emphasize or highlight what's going on. Whereas for mm-hmm. a concert composer, um, I hope I don't uh, offend <laughs> the concert composers out there, um, but I, I do <laughs> feel that they, they may have a lot more freedom in what they can write. Perhaps they may have uh, some uh, conditions or they have uh, some other instructions that they have to adhere to, but I feel that uh, they can still write a little uh, more in free form rather than actually uh, mm-hmm. having visuals there to keep you on track uh, of how you want to write musically. Mm-hmm. Mm. What have been some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? Ooh. <laughs> oh, tough choice. Actually, I have enjoyed most of them so far. Um, oh, good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a good take, definitely. Um, yeah. Have a think about it. Um, 
I think I, I really enjoyed uh, one of the ones that I submitted to you, the music called uh, Ellipsis. Um, as the music uh, actually easily fell onto my lap as I was working uh, on it then. And um, I have another project which I was working alongside Ellipsis called uh, Priscordian, uh, which was an animation project by a um, Sheridan College student. She's a very, very talented um, storyboard artist. And um, since I also have a love for animation too, it was really lovely to to try and fulfill what she wanted on stream whilst I could also have fun with my writing too. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. So we've talked about your uh, connection into the film industry, but you also are a composer for video games and other forms of media. What is it like to compose for other forms of media as compared to film? Um. Wow, uh, I'll have to think about that too. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> uh, how should I put it? I guess for film, um, there is um, a storyline that you always have mm. to uh, make sure that uh, the music fits alongside with. Um, in comparison to uh, games, which uh, of course they also have their own storyline, but the music tracks um, that are written for it uh, might not necessarily might not necessarily need to be in a particular sequence for it to make sense for a whole storyline. Um, right. Whereas in comparison, the film it has to work in the right sequence for it to make sense. Um, right. Then with other kinds of visuals as well, uh, such as trailers and maybe documentaries. Um, it, re it really just depends on the format of um, the narration, I think, and uh, what uh, what they need the music to particularly uh, highlight or support. But I, I think the main difference of film and perhaps other things is that the music does have to work in a particular sequence uh, alongside with the film. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. I mm. remember talking to... Uh, to a few people who have been interested in film music and mm -hmm. uh, versus people who are interested in video game music. And the more I study both musics, uh, the more I start to realize that there is, there is absolutely a difference in how they are composed. As you mm -hmm. said, you have to compose a film score almost as if it fit within a sequence and it and usually it does have to fit within a sequence i think that depends on the the filmmaker and eventually it yeah. does have to go into something um mm. but when you are composing for uh, video game music that person who the person who was playing the game has a completely different experience that yes you have moments where you have cutscenes and yeah. uh, you have uh those things are going to happen and they're going to be triggered but you always have Every person is always going to have a different experience playing a game. And even the same person can have a different experience when you're playing again or a second or even a third time. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And that music has to line up in, in ways that, uh, that fit within how the player is interacting with the world at that time. In your experience, how often, uh, how many tracks do you usually have to write for a video game score, uh, 
has have you had a, a huge amount of tracks to write for before or is it has it been a little bit on a smaller scale uh for video games um so far i've only uh done smaller uh, scale games so perhaps mm. a couple of tracks maybe uh, uh four or five or so okay. but i have i have been approached before for um a bigger uh, commercial games and sometimes they request something like 24 tracks um, wow. or uh, yes uh, up to that kind of scale which um, I mean I'd love to do uh, uh, unfortunately I haven't been able to get into that uh, level so far um, and I'd love to do that although it, it is a big big commitment I have to say mm -hmm. and sometimes they also don't um, uh, consider the amount of time that's needed to write such a, a large-scale score. Um, so it, it really depends on, on how they, the requirements that they have, as well as um, uh, how much uh, time and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, what, what exactly they need um, in yeah. terms of the, the scale of the game. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm. What have been some of your favorite film slash video game scores mm. oh it's really hard for me to decide actually <laughs> because i i like many film scores and i even like just watching films on their own i i know friends who who tend to watch films and have uh already their their ears are working and they say oh okay i can pick out this theme and i know this particular harmony works so well but for me i actually i just enjoy it as an audience and i watch it and i think oh yeah the storyline's great the visuals are wonderful and then later on i think about hearing the, the music um mm -hmm. but um if i really had to pick um, a film score um I think I'd have to go with uh, one of my childhood favorites, which is uh, Alan Menken's <laughs> uh, Disney score, uh, which oh, wonderful. would either be, um, I have three in mind, so maybe I can't pick one. I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Please share. <laughs> um, I absolutely love Beauty and the Beast, um, The Little oh, yes. Mermaid, and Aladdin. So those are probably my favorite uh, scores if I were to listen to them over and over again. Um, wow. And in terms of video game scores, um, truthfully, I, I have to confess, I sort of came in late um, in knowing about video game scores. Um, it was only sort of during my master's that I became more aware of uh, what kinds they were outside. Um, and there's one that I really like, um, uh, and we sort of studied it a little bit. Um, I think it's called, is it the Shadow of the, Colos the Colossus? I don't know whether I pronounced that correctly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, that one there, which um, I was quite intrigued about. And we also had uh, some Final Fantasy references. <laughs> yes, oh, good. There were definitely some music there that definitely uh, struck me. I thought, wow, even video game scores can be so incredible and so colorful as well yeah um so yeah it's it's really really um incredible what's out there now yeah i uh actually last uh for november i i had my fiance on as a guest uh where we talked about the music of final fantasy 10 oh and wonderful. it was it was so interesting because i have never played a final fantasy game and when he said okay i'm gonna do final fantasy 10 as my uh as my topic for the episode uh 
I said, okay, I guess I'm going to have to go and listen to the music. And when I pulled up the, the album and I was, I just scrolled down. I was like, oh my gosh, this, this, this <laughs> album doesn't end. <laughs> and, and when you get to the bottom of Spotify, that tell you how long the album is. Um, and it was like four and a half hours long. And I'm like, and, and these, and these little tracks are like, like a minute long. And it's like, oh my gosh, there's, <laughs> and it just, it was it so funny. And, overwhelming, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it took me the whole week to listen to the album to prepare for the episode because mm -hmm. I was listening to it while I was in the car um, or when I was walking uh, and I was getting little bits and pieces here and there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, that, those scores are beautiful and I can absolutely see how they have been a, such a staple in, in the, the world of composing for video games yeah um, sure. because mm -hmm. like you said how colorful they are and um and at mm -hmm. times how how much they uh add to the narrative of those stories and um i think it really helped when um when they added on extra composers to uh to help with certain aspects uh giving certain certain colors to certain spots and yes. uh, certain mm -hmm. aesthetics. And it, it really helps a lot um, as opposed to having just one person uh, composing those video game scores. And I'm sure that uh, you can agree. I mean, on a, on a smaller scale, it's much easier to compose uh, a, a video game of much smaller size. Uh, but yeah. when you, when you get, when you're getting up into like a hundred tracks, <laughs> that's going <laughs> to, uh, you're gonna need some, but you're gonna need some assistance there. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, definitely. <laughs> I, I would definitely love assistance if if I were to do something that big scale as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. What other forms of media have you composed for besides film and video games? Um, I have written for animation. Uh, which is uh, another favorite mm -hmm. of mine to write for. And I recently uh, wrote uh, a trailer for a, a promotion of a book, so a book trailer, in fact. Um, oh, wow. So that's uh, something that I, I've, I've started venturing in. And I actually hope to do various other things too, uh, not limiting to, to film animation or games, but those are what I specialize in since I studied those in my master's course. Mm. What are some of those things that you hope to be able to compose for? Um, well, actually, I kind of like to try something uh, like documentaries. Um, okay. They, uh, they may not require as much music, but uh, I'm not sure whether you've watched uh, like uh, BBC uh, Blue Planet or uh, uh, those kind of shows. I, I feel that mm. the music over there is still... Uh, uh, so uh, captivating, even though you're just watching the animals move about and uh, yeah. uh, letting them do their thing. And I, I think music can play such a, a cool role in, in helping the audience really connect with it. Um, anything mm. else I like to do? Um, film trailers are also something I'd like to try. Um, okay. Yeah, I've been doing many films, but not film trailers, <laughs> which, which is a little <laughs> surprising. <laughs> yeah. That's great. 
thank you for dropping by to watch this video. If you want to continue this episode, head over to your favorite podcast platform right now and subscribe to the show. You can also finish watching this episode on the Composer Chronicles' Patreon page when you sign up at the $5 Revelian tier or the $10 Wagnerian tier. All Patreon members also get early access to ad-free versions of the podcast, so head on over there for some great bonus content while supporting the Composer Chronicles. You can find the links to the podcast and the Patreon in the description below. Be sure to subscribe to the Alexandria Media YouTube channel for more videos like this one and hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. You can find all information about this episode below in the description and give this video a thumbs up if you've enjoyed watching. I look forward to seeing you over at the podcast or on the Patreon to finish up this episode.